we have this deep place inside of us where we find our core. We find the things that matter most to us, the things we value the most. And as we've been talking about in this series, our values drive our behavior, right? Those things that you value in that deep place, they drive how you and I act, right? And so we've been saying this, that we value certain things, so we behave in certain ways, and so it's super important to think about what we value. If I value certain things deep inside and that's going to drive the way that I live, then man, I got to be valuing the right things. And I've just been trying to prove this to you about yourself, that you value certain things and you behave in certain ways in a lot of different ways. I've been trying to give you examples. And uh, for this week, I'll just give you parents, right? Parents we really value our kids, right? We often do all kinds of crazy stuff for them. We're driving, right now we got several kids in different sports and we're driving them all over the planet and uh, enjoying sitting there for hours with them. Grandparents showing up, sitting there for hours with them because we love our kids. We value our kids. We're helping them through school. We're helping to provide for them. Um, even discipline, right? We, we love our kids. So it's like, I know kids, you don't, you don't like that word, but, but we love our kids. We want them to turn out great. We want them to follow Jesus. And so sometimes that takes disciplining them. And there's no nothing worse though when you're trying to discipline them and they did something really funny right has that ever happened to you as a parent and so there you are and you got your tough face on you're being all stern and you got to discipline them and then as soon as they leave the room and go up to their room for their punishment or whatever you and your wife just bust out laughing right that happens to us all the time Um, one of the things that makes it even harder to discipline your kids is now technology because I don't know if any of your kids have any of those like Talking Tom apps or any of those. Any of you guys have those? Well, the other day, Landon had one of our phones and he had his Talking Tom app on. And we started to have to try to tell him to stop doing something. And no, that's wrong. And don't do that. And as I'm telling him, this stupid app is repeating everything I'm saying. And so I'm like, Landon, stop it. And we started to have to try to tell oh, him. Oh, really got everything I said before that. Okay, great. That didn't work out so well. Well, this is my Talking Tom's giving you my whole message right now. Oh, there it was. Okay, cool, cool. Finally. Wow, he was listening really well. He was listening better than some of you, yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, before we knew it, talking Tom, every single time I'm telling Landon to stop it, you're going to be in so much trouble, he's saying it back to me in that voice. And so, of course, that, that discipline was highly ineffective because we all just busted out laughing eventually. But man, we value certain things, so we behave in certain ways. And that's true of you. It's true of us as a church. We value things deep in our core, and so we behave in certain ways because of it. And so we, as a staff, got together about a year ago and said, okay, if that's true, then are we valuing the right things? Are we really intentional about what we value? Because we believe that the right values lead to the right behaviors, which then lead to the right roads. Not roads that save you, like, like both Joe and Andrew said in prayer this morning, the songs we sang so clearly said and, and showed us today that Jesus alone saves us. It's not our behavior that saves us. It's not our works. It's not our ability, our goodness, or our badness that either saves us or rules us out from being saved. It's Jesus alone, his death, that has done what none of us could ever do. All right, So that's super important. But Jesus has made it clear that, man, when we see him as Savior, that then... He wants us to respond to this love with a lifestyle of love back. God, I want to live for you. I want to honor you. And he said that as you and I see his word and then follow through, we obey it, that he's going to bless us. And so we want us on blessable roads as a church and as individuals. And so I'll just remind you real quick where we've been for, been for the last six weeks, uh, the, the, the six core values we've talked about so far. The first one is Christ-centeredness. Uh, the second one is the Holy Spirit's leading in power. And we talked about genuine community and then we talked about discipleship. 
And then we talked about excellent environments and last week focused programming. And I'll admit, the last two weeks didn't seem all that spiritual. They were a little bit harder maybe to kind of push through. But today I'm really excited because I think, you know, for the last several weeks I felt like I've been talking kind of at your head, at your brain. And, And today I get to feel like we get to bring the heart a little bit more back into it today. So I'm excited about that. And so today what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to talk about two core values today. And one reason I want to do that is because I don't want this series to go on for all eternity. But secondly, because these two core values are really linked. They're really important. One comes right out of the other. And the first core value I want to talk with you about is what we do here as a church. But this, the second core value that I want to add today talks about then how you can respond how you can live this out outside these walls. And so we're going to kind of do first core value, which has a lot to do with inside the walls, and second core value, which has a lot to do with outside the walls. The first core value, I'm going to kind of blast through. We're going to fly through it, and then we're really going to spend our time on where this, this really matters for you. And so our first core value that I want to talk about today is this. We value this. We value an insider-outsider focus. An insider-outsider focus. What does that mean? How do we behave because of that? We consistently aim our services at both insiders and outsiders. Okay, well, what does that mean? What's an insider and an outsider and all that? Well, an insider would be those who call this place home, know Jesus, and are aiming at centering their lives around Jesus, okay? And so an insider is those of you guys who belong, and you've just been around forever, and you know God, and you're in love with Jesus, and you're, you're looking at living your life for him. But then there are those who aren't insiders. They haven't been around forever. And and so we kind of define outsiders as this, as those who are visiting the church and maybe don't know Jesus as Savior. Okay, And what we talk about a lot here at this church is that most churches reach one of these two groups really well. You know, like a lot of churches are insider churches, and then a lot of churches are are outsider churches, but a lot of churches don't hit both groups really well. They just usually hit one or the other. So insider churches often use a lot of words nobody understands, and then they pick songs with more of those words no one understands, and sometimes it can kind of feel cold and unwelcoming, and um, everything is done assuming that the people hearing and being involved and listening in the room have a relationship with Jesus. And there are churches that, man, they are great at that, okay? And then there are other churches, and they're really outsider-focused. They focus on, you know, basically doing the whole service with the assumption that everybody in the room doesn't know Jesus, okay? And so uh, a lot of times the messages can kind of feel surfacey and like there's not much um, depth to them. A lot of times the songs um, don't have much to say about God or what Jesus has done for us. And, and we're just crazy enough to think that you can reach insiders and outsiders in the same room. Those that love Jesus and are super strong in their faith and those that have no idea who he is or if he's even real. And the reason we think we can do this is because this is exactly what Jesus did. The reason we think God's word can speak to insiders and outsiders is because God's word speaks to insiders and outsiders. And so we think this is really, really important. We think this is a big deal. Our vision at our church is we want to be a church that unchurched people love to attend and a place where Christians can grow deep in their faith. So we feel like if we're not helping you as a follower of Jesus grow deep in your faith, then we're missing the mark. But if we're not helping people who don't know who God is and and aren't sure if he's even there, if we're not helping them discover Jesus, then we're missing the mark. And so we think this is really, really super important. And so I I don't know about you, man. I want to belong to a church where I can grow deep in my faith, and yet I'm super excited to invite people who don't know Jesus. Like, that's the kind of church I want to go to. 
I don't want it to just be aimed at people that, you know, aren't, aren't strong in their faith and I might not get anything out of it. But I also don't want it just to be aimed at me because I want a place that I'm comfortable to invite friends and family members and neighbors and people that don't know Jesus yet. And we just are crazy enough to think that God could do that here. And so that's kind of that first core value, that insider-outsider focus. That's what we do here as a church. We think that's so important. Now, what can you do? That's what I want to talk about for the rest of the message. What is this next core value? Why does this matter for you? Well, the second thing I want to talk about that we value today is this. We value relational evangelism. We value relational evangelism, and it makes us behave like this. We want to create a community of insiders who serve and invest in outsiders, both locally and globally. And so that word relational is really important, okay? Because what I'm not saying is that we should all get a big milk crate and take it out to our local town corner and stand on it and just start to preach to the, to the town this afternoon, okay? What I, I think is so important and what we see is so powerful and what probably impacted you is a relationship. Someone who was willing to invest in you, somebody who loved and cared for you and therefore acted on it. So I think that's such a super important thing that you and I are saying, okay, we want a, a community here of people who are super excited about what Jesus has done in their life to the point that we're ready to go and share. Now the, the question is, and the debate inside the church, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but like the church at large has this debate. How do you do that? How do you do that well? Because there's these two different approaches. You have go and be churches, and you have come and see churches. Okay, Go and be churches are churches that say, all right, here's what we want you to do. We're going to train you inside these walls to go out and help people see the love of God. And then you, we want you to go out and we want you to lead people to Jesus. Wherever you are, uh, relationally, we want you to have people that you care for and we want you pointing them to God. Okay? And then outside these walls, you would do your best to lead people to a relationship with Jesus. And there's the come and see churches. And the come and see churches say, okay, I want to take a lot of the pressure off you. Just encourage you to go out and love Jesus well in your neighborhoods and at your job, and then invite people to come to church. Say, come and see. Come and see what's going on at our church. And so you might be sitting here going, well, Doug, which church are we? Are we the go and be, or are we the come and see? And the answer is yes. (laughs) We are the go and be church, and we are the come and see church. Again, why? Because I think this is what you see in the Bible. You see both working. We are whatever works. Whatever is going to point people to the amazing love of Jesus, that's what we want to be. When Landon was really little, maybe two or three, Kelly and I used to do this thing where we would say, oh, Landon loves me more. And then Kelly, I'd say that, and then Kelly would say, no, Landon loves me more. Very healthy thing to do for your children. And uh, so we would fight over this, right? And Landon came up with this great line. I mean, we've done this with all our kids so far. But Landon came up with this great line. We, I'd say it, and then Kelly would say it, and he'd say, I love both of them. I love both of them most, you know? And uh, it won't be so cute when he's like 20. Like, no, you love me. Both, both of them. <laughs> okay, stay away from that weird kid. But um, uh, we, we, we are both of them, guys. We are go and be, and we are come and see. Whatever works, whatever God will use. And so there will be times, guys, that you will go out, and you will be a light, and you will lead people to a relationship with Jesus, and they never even step foot in a church. And there are just some people, they're just not ready to step foot in a church. Maybe you here today, you're like, I can't believe I'm in a church. I can't believe that. I didn't feel like I was ready for this. Somebody brought you. But, but there are people that they need to see in a tangible way the love of God 
and you being a genuine follower of Jesus, not a perfect follower of Jesus, but a genuine follower of Jesus, and you're going to have the opportunity to literally lead people to a relationship with Jesus before they ever walk in the door. Go and be. Go and be. Serve. That's what we do with our homeless ministry. We go and be. We reach out. We go out where the people are. That's what so many of you guys have done in your jobs or your neighborhoods, and, and you've just gone and been this awesome light, this great witness to show people the love of God. But then there are going to be times when you might try and go and be, and, and God might use you a little bit in somebody's life, but you kind of just feel like, man, maybe they just need to come and see. You need to come and see. Come and see what God's up to. Come and meet some other people. Come and hear some of the messages or, or be in some of the worship environments or get in a community group where they can really see how powerful God is and they can see for themselves the goodness of God. And so that's what I want to talk with you about today. Just talk with you about this idea of being these relationally invested people, people who love the people around us enough to point them to Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here today, you're going, man, these people just sound like they want to take over the world. What's going on with them? And we don't want to take over the world. The, the truth of it is, is we have had our lives really, truly changed by the love of Jesus. And we want that for others. If somebody invited you today, they want that for you. God has worked in their life and they simply want that for you. And that's what we are excited about. We don't want to be a bunch of people who just say, Oh yeah, God's changed my life. I'll just stay warm and comfy until he you know, comes back and I go to heaven. And No, we want to be people who are, are literally putting our lives on the line saying, no, we want this message to get out because he's done so much in me. You know, if you're not a follower of Jesus, think about that thing in your life that you're super passionate about. Some of you guys, it's football. Some of you guys, it's World Series time. It's like, oh, this is like life right now. I'm so passionate about this. What do you do about that? You talk about it with everybody, don't you? Because it's exciting to you and you're passionate about it. And maybe in some ways, even a little way, it's had an impact on your life. And that's what we're talking about today. It's just being the kind of people that are able to be passionate about what God has done in our lives. And so what do we find in Scripture? Do we find this go and be and this come and see approach in Scripture? We're going to look here at a story about Jesus. And Jesus was out on a journey. And he was in an area called Samaria. And he sat down at this well... And this really cool encounter happens here that we can learn a lot from. So John chapter 4, as Jesus is sitting at this well in verse 7, says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. So Jesus, he's sitting at this well. The woman comes over and he asks her for a drink. But what he's doing here is incredibly out of the ordinary. And he's on mission. And he is going and being a light to this woman. And we're going to find out why in just a second. Verse 9 says, This Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And so this woman's saying, Wait, 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 wait. Why are you talking to me? She probably saw how Jesus was dressed and heard his dialect and understood that he was Jewish and she was Samaritan and Jews and Samaritans didn't talk. It's like Yankee fans and Red Sox fans, Jets fans and Patriots fans. Long-haired dudes and no-haired dudes, right? You just don't talk, right? You don't go there, okay? And so she's just assuming she's going to ignore Jesus and Jesus is going to ignore her. That's the way it's been done. That's all she's known her whole life. The Samaritans and Jews don't talk. But here Jesus is on mission. He's being relational. One of the things you and I probably don't like about sharing our faith is the awkwardness we sometimes feel, Right? Some stuff we got to push through, some, some uncomfortable situations and discussions we may need to have. And I just want you to see, here is Jesus just pushing through all of that, 
going beyond what's normal, going beyond what he would naturally do or a Jew would naturally do, and he's reaching out to this woman. I just want you to see how far he reaches here. You see, there's a few reasons that the Jews and the Samaritans had really bad blood, okay? And I think it's important you know a couple of them just because I want you to see that Jesus wasn't just sitting back and being comfortable and talking to some woman by the well while he got a drink. He had to be intentional. He had to fight through the awkwardness you and I fought through, fight through even more so. And so the, the reason the Jews and the Samaritans had so much bad blood were a couple reasons. One, Israel used to be this one big nation, right? And then it was divided into two nations, okay? And so Israel had now as its capital Samaria, and Judah had Jerusalem. So there's this rivalry of capitals going on, okay? Then the king of Assyria comes in, right? And he takes all these Jews and he ships them off to Babylon. And so he conquers Israel. He, he ships everybody, well, not everybody. He ships the, the good-looking, the smart, the intelligent. He ships them off to Babylon. And then he sends in all these other people from other backgrounds in to live in Samaria. And so what happens over years is this, the people that lived in Samaria began to marry people who weren't Jews and, and didn't believe in God. And, and so over time, they became known as the Samaritans. So then eventually, when the Jews come back from Babylon, they're looking at the Samaritans going, who, what did you do? You guys intermingled with all these people that, that don't believe in God. You built temple, uh, temples and, and you guys worship gods who aren't the one true God. And so there was all this angst. Then the Samaritans opposed the, the people in Judah rebuilding. And, and so there's this, all this conflict. The Samaritans were seen as half-breeds. The, the Jews couldn't understand why they seemed to have turned their backs on God. And so for all this time, all these years, since that happened, hundreds and hundreds of years, Samaritans and Jews didn't mix. And here's Jesus pushing through all that awkwardness. You thought you had an awkward conversation, right, to talk about Jesus. He's pushing through all that awkwardness so that he can reach out to this Samaritan woman. In the next few verses, Jesus talks about how he can offer living water. Here he is sitting at a well. He just uses an example of where he is. And he says, hey, I can offer you living water. He's not talking about a physical water. He's talking about satisfying this woman's soul. He knows while Jesus is, is physically thirsty and could use a drink right now, he knows the woman is desperate in her soul to find satisfaction and love and unconditional forgiveness. And he begins to talk about that. And in verse 15, it says this, The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. Kind of seems like a strange reply. Why would you go there? Jesus is being intentional. All right, look, at, look what it says here. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you, have, you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. And what you have said is quite true. So he's like talking to the Elizabeth Taylor of her day, right? I mean, this woman who's like married all these different people and she's in all these different relationships. And Jesus kind of seems in her face and intense, but look what he's up to. He's on mission. He's going and being this light. Because look at the woman's response. She says, sir, I can see you're a prophet. Which is funny because the Samaritans didn't believe in prophets. But here she says, there's something going on here. You know stuff about me you shouldn't know. There's something more to you than, than meets the eye here. Then it says in verse 20, she says, Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Remember I said that there were two different capitals, there were different places of worship. And the woman here brings that up. And I think she's bringing it up because she's trying to avoid the awkwardness of her sin. 
right? The awkwardness of her conversation. She's trying to get out of that conversation about the five husbands and the whole deal, you know? I might just because I have kids and that's what they do, you know? Who wrote on the dining room wall with lipstick? Like, Dad, tell us again why the 80s metal genre is the best of all time. And before I know it, I'm gone and there's no lipstick on the walls apparently, right? And so I think that's what she's doing here. She's trying to divert the conversation, but Jesus stays on mission, right? Next few verses, Jesus helps her understand what worship is. And then in verse 25 says, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, see how powerful his response is. Jesus doesn't say, oh yeah, that's true, he is coming. Jesus doesn't say, hey, I just want to let you know, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a prophet, I am, you're right, I'm a prophet, or I'm, I'm a great teacher, I'm a good man. No, look what Jesus says. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I'm the savior. I'm the one that can satisfy. I'm the one that can give you the, the water, the spiritual water for your soul that you long for. I'm the one that can do that for you. And here, Jesus has been pushing through the awkward conversation. He's been intentional. He's been relational. He could have sat back. He could have said, I'm just tired. He could have gone into town with the guys, but he knew there was a moment that he was supposed to be intentional and invest in this woman and point her to the hope that he alone could give. And so you've seen Jesus push through all that awkwardness and all that stuff that often keeps you and I back. And sometimes you and I look at the people around us, right? I mean, he could have so easily looked at her and said, oh, come on, she's a Samaritan. She's never gonna listen. And you and I go, oh, come on, they're this or that background. Or, or they, you know, this is my boss. He's the stubbornest, most stubborn person I know. Or it's my teacher. She'll never listen. Or whatever it might be. But Jesus, no, let, let's, let's be that light. And her life is forever changed. And it's so cool because we get the proof that her life is forever changed in the next few verses, but we also see the come and see approach. Jesus just used the go and be approach. I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna reach out to a woman, and here, this woman now says, all right, I'm gonna use the come and see approach. She doesn't even know that's what she's doing, but it's what she's doing. In verse 28, it says this, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, what she say? Come see come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And he skipped down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So here's this woman. She didn't have time for seminary, right? She didn't know any theology. All she knew was she had encountered Jesus. All she knew was that he was different was that he knew things about her no one should have known. And that he pushed through the awkwardness and, and he treated her with hope and love, which Jews and Samaritans didn't do to one another. And so the go and be approach worked and reached her, but now she's going and running and saying, hey, come and see. All she's doing is she's saying, hey, I could tell you my story, but let me take you to the source now. You know, and, and I just wanna encourage you. Some of you may feel like, all right, I can, I can tell my story. I can try to encourage people. I can try to point people to Jesus, but sometimes I feel like I need a little backup. Well, then that's the time to say, hey, come and see. And we hope to be the backup for you. We hope to be able to continue to point the people in your life that you love to Jesus every single Sunday, that they might come. And so look at verse 40. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them. And he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. So God is at work in some awesome ways in this community. And then look at verse 42. I love this. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. 
Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. And so on the one hand, we go out and we be the light and we, we tell them what God did in our life. And there are times we say, hey, come and see and, and come and see what God's doing at our church. And, and man, wait till you see so-and-so. And, and just so you know, when, when I say that we hope to be the backup for you, I don't mean it's me and Pastor Ravone and Kelly and the people on staff because we're so great and smart. Honestly, a lot of the times when people say, hey, come and see and they bring someone to church, I don't go over there and answer all their questions. I, I point them to other people in the church a lot. If somebody walks in and, and, they were, and they're addicted to drugs, I take him over to Artie and say, hey, can I introduce you to somebody, one of our drummers who, man, he was addicted to drugs and God changed his life. And then Artie is the backup. I'm not the backup. But some, sometimes we just need each other. We need what's going on here in the room and, and the lives we've lived and the things we've been through. And then you see people saying, whoa, okay, I heard your story. Man, God's starting to change my life. And, and now it's not just something I heard or something she said or he said, but I've seen it. For myself, Can you just imagine some of your neighbors saying that? Can you imagine some family members saying that? Can you imagine somebody from work or, or school saying that? Man, you used to always talk about God. You used to drive me crazy. But man, I see today. It's true. It's real. All those invitations you gave me. Or all the times you, you went out and you, you were the go and be light that they needed to see. Finally paid off and God showed up. And so this is a huge deal to us. We believe that as a church, here in the room, we're going to focus every single Sunday on helping you grow deeper in your faith, but also being in a place you can't wait to invite your friends to. That it won't be over their heads, that it won't be unclear, but that it will be exactly and hopefully what they need to hear that day. And we encourage you guys to go out and continue to be that light, because there are going to be people that you can reach that we can't. There'll be people out there that would never walk into the church. They might drive by it every day. And see the cars and go, wow, there was something interesting going on there. But I will never go there until you, as the light, go and show them the love of Jesus. And so it's this really awesome partnership, isn't it? It's you and us. It's us together. These two core values are an incredible partnership. We promise to be focused insider and outsider every single time you walk through the doors. And our hope and prayer for you is that you will go out and you will invest in those who need Jesus, both locally and globally. And so what I want you guys to know today is that God wants to use you to draw people to him. Just as simple as it gets. Let's boil it all down. God wants to use you to draw people to him. Some of you just needed to hear that today. That it's not my job or or the people on staff's job solely to win people for Jesus. God wants to use you. I know we all feel like we're not qualified. I know I feel that, guys. I I don't walk around my neighborhood like, oh, I am a a prophet man that can, you know, save anyone who needs it. Like, I, I walk in my neighborhood, and I'm like, God, give me strength and wisdom to know how to love these people and, and reach them with your love. I feel just as unqualified as you might. And so I encourage you to, to think about a few questions here today. Where do you need to go and be a light? Where does that model need to happen? Where do you need to just go and, and say, all right, I'm gonna go and, and I'm not gonna hide the fact that I love Jesus. I'm not gonna be this annoying Christian who won't shut up and you know, people, I just drive everybody away. But no, I'm gonna be a light. A light is helpful, right? I mean, without a light right now, you couldn't see. But we also understand that, man, we don't wanna be driving people away from Jesus either. So it's this fine line. But man, that's why you have the Holy Spirit in you. That's how God will lead you and direct you to be this awesome light that people need in the midst of their hurting and their brokenness right now. So where do you need to go and be a light? And the second question I ask you today is, who do you need to to use the other approach with? Who do you need to say, hey, come and see? 
Come and check out what's going on at our church. We'd love for you to come. And, and you guys are certainly, you know, Christmas is a great time. That's coming up in a few months. But I, again, want to remind you, we aim every single Sunday at everybody. And so it's not like, oh, I got to wait till Christmas. Oh, that's a good time. But, but man, every Sunday, you can know, we're going to do our best as a staff to reach you where you're at and reach that, that unbelieving friends, maybe sitting right next to you where they're at. Kelly and I did a wedding this past year, and it was special because the groom got saved at my mom's funeral, and uh, it was two year, almost two years ago now, and it was a really just an awesome thing to be a part of, and um, what I know is this, though. I know that had this guy just walked into the funeral that night, I don't know that anything would have happened. I mean, God is God, and he can save whoever and whenever, and, and he's awesome like that, but what I, I know is that for years before he got saved, people were using both of these approaches. There were people that said, hey, I'm going to go and be a light to this guy. There were several people like that in his life. And then there were several people that said, hey, come and see. And they had invited him to church. And it was that night that God just used all the culmination of all those different things. And he put his trust and his faith in Jesus. And I hope you know that you're in the story. Did you find yourself in the story today? You see, some of you were the woman at the well. And somebody said, hey, I'm going to go and be a light to them. And they encouraged you to put your trust in Jesus. And you never even walked into church, but you had already put your trust in him. Because somebody said, I'm going to go be that light. So some of you are the woman at the well, but some of you are, are the person back in the town, aren't you? The person that somebody said, hey, come and see. Come and see what God's done. Come and see what he's done in my life. Come and see what he might want to do in your life. Just imagine, just imagine for a second the person that was that go and be light for you or, or that come and see light for you, what if they just sat back and stayed comfortable? What if they let the awkwardness of the conversation or, or how many times you told them no keep them from being that light in your life? I'm so thankful that there are tons of people in my life that, that pointed me to Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus today, I believe you are too. You're really grateful that there were some people that did that for you. And so I would encourage you to partner with us as we work really hard to make sure that our services are gonna reach everybody in the room that you would say, all right, I'm gonna first and foremost be praying for those in my life that don't know Jesus. Those people I love and I care for and I want them to know God so badly. And then answer those two questions for yourself. Where do you need to go and be a light? And who do you need to come, say come and see? Invite them to come and be a part of what's going on here. God might just show up either outside these walls or inside or a mixture of both. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, we're so glad you're here. I know we've been talking to followers of Jesus largely through this service, but I hope you've seen clearly in this story this morning that we're not a bunch of just religious people who try to keep rules and do the right thing. We're a bunch of people whose lives have been changed because someone came and satisfied our soul. And Jesus came and he died in our place and he rose back from the dead. And that's why we're so excited. That's why we love God. That's why we sing. That's why we, we, we sing these songs. We raise our hands up to God like a child. I want to be as close to you as I can. We, we raise our hands maybe like this and surrender to God. Just love you, God. Just have your way in my life, whatever you have for me. But, but the reason maybe you were invited here today, the reason maybe the person that is always talking about God in your life continues to talk about God is because He's satisfied their soul. It doesn't mean that they're perfect. It doesn't mean they don't sometimes stumble. It doesn't also mean that, man, sometimes there are people out there that call themselves Christians that are the furthest thing from it. 
and they can tend to kind of keep us at arm's length with it. I understand that. But man, our aim and our hope here in this place is to be the genuine thing that follows Jesus. Our lives have been changed and we want that for you as well. And so we would love to see you put your trust in him today or in the future. And so you're so welcome here and we hope that you'd come back again. Are you followers of Jesus? Just know today, know today that God wants to use you, you and I, to draw people to him. Let's pray. God, we look to you today just grateful that you're desiring to use every single one of us in this place, God. We thank you so much that you've changed our lives. We thank you so much that you've forgiven us of our sin. We thank you so much, God, that you put yourself where we deserve to be. And so now, God, we want to be used to draw others to you. And so, God, I just pray for each of us, God, that you give us the strength that we need to push through the awkward conversation, to push through what might be a difficult scenario. And, and even if we get pushback from the people we talk to, and, and even if we feel like it costs us something, God, to, to put ourselves out there like that, God, that, God, you would just keep us faithful. And so if you're a Christian, would you just pray through those two questions? Where do you need to go and be a light? And who do you need to say, come and see to Just pray through that. Begin to pray for the the places and the people that God brings to mind. Begin to pray for opportunities. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love you to put your trust in him today if that's where you're at. No, No arm twisting up here. No trying to make you do something you don't feel like you're ready to do. But we would love for you to trust in Jesus, the one who satisfies our souls. And so if you want to do that, you could just pray something like this silently. Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you came to rescue me. Thank you that you desire to satisfy me. Thank you for your forgiveness, that you died on a cross in my place. And so now, God, I put my trust in you. And like the people in the story you read about today, I pray that my faith won't just be there because of what somebody else says, but that I will see how real you are myself. Well, thank you for this gift of salvation. In your name I pray, amen.